This podcast is brought to you by Mobius, the decentralized professional networking platform that protects your data and pays you to connect with others. So welcome to the third ever Top of the Block podcast. I'm Justin Smith. This is Omar Zaki. Omar, you spent this weekend in, in uh, Token Fest in Boston. Tell us about that. Yeah, it was lit. Um, met a lot of really interesting founders. Um, it was a lot chiller than Consensus. Like Consensus has like uh, these like insane. It's like a zoo. It's like crazy. Like the Hilton Hotel is just like literally just swarming with people. It's like no time to actually talk to people. But I really liked like the intimate environment of Token Fest. Yeah, and how was Boston? I'm not a big fan of Boston. I'm Even sorry. You grew up nearby. I know, but <laughs> I just I, when I came back to New York City and I saw the skyline, I was like, I'm back, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, do you want to tell us about our uh, our guest, uh, Jenny Vitrenka? Yeah. So uh, she is the founder of co-founder of the Oath Protocol and a recovering lawyer. All right. Let's do this. So Jenny, uh, tell us uh, a little bit about yourself, how you eventually got into blockchain and stuff. All right. Um, I'll start a few, I guess, a little ways back. Um, I took the traditional professional route after college. I went to law school, uh, then worked at the DA's office for a year and then worked at a law firm for a few years. My introduction to blockchain was, um, <clears throat> I, th I think the first time I heard about it was probably 2013 or 14, and I was... I'll admit one of those people who thought it could only like Bitcoin could only be used for illegal drugs and, you know, illicit act activities. So didn't really look much further into it then, and which I regret. Um, and then my second introduction to it was in the context of smart contracts. And I was still a non-believer as a lawyer. You know, my whole I, I was a litigator. So my whole background is basically fighting over contracts. Um, looking at the contracts that have been drafted by the smartest, the most expensive lawyers, and finding ambiguities. Uh, and so I thought, you know, code is law? That sounds crazy. Like, how can you possibly code everything, all our, all our daily interactions into um, lines of code? Um, but I kind of started looking more into it, and um, I read a few uh, message boards where people were discussing it, so that was kind of my introduction to it through kind of other people talking about it and then um, that inspired me to learn more and um, it just happened that one of my good classmates from law school started a blockchain advisory company out of China um, that was affiliated with their law firm um, and so he asked me um, to work for them as an advisor because they had some US clients or um, their Asian clients who were looking to come and do business um, blockchain related business in the US so he's you know we're looking for somebody who is smart who understands it so come help us out and um, so that that kind of, that was my professional introduction to it, and um, then I met my co-founder Ian, and now we have our own uh, blockchain startup. Yeah, can you tell us about Oath? Uh, yeah, so so at Oath, we're kind of uh, going back to my whole skepticism about um, the code is law myth, uh, and that we understand that even though there are certain interactions that are best left to be peer to peer, where you don't need an intermediary and you don't want to pay somebody to be an intermediary. Um, there are still instances where you do need somebody to kind of come in the middle and be the arbiter of things that um, either 
um, are not clear from the contract or um, there's a dispute about whether they're clear. And what we do is we bring the jury system onto the blockchain and we provide a dispute resolution mechanism for um, transactions for, for any disputes um, within the decentralized environment. How did you how did you come up with that? That's that's wild. <laughs> well, I, I don't think it was kind of like one specific moment. Um, it was again looking at the um, disputes like with the Ethereum fork um, and how there wasn't a clear mechanism to like figure out what to do. Um, and again, my my background in law, um, I think, kind of just got me accustomed to community decision-making for dispute resolution, and we don't think about it that way. Um, you know, we think there's a legal authority and that's, you know, a judge or a police officer and they enforce the law and that's kind of, you know, how it goes. Um, but we still have, like, you know, don't forget about the jury. Um, and the jury originated from the people not wanting to have, to put all their trust into a central authority because they think, you know, the judge can be um, bribed, the police officer can be bribed, you know, that central authority can be corrupted. So we have this check. Um, we have the people who are coming together and making a decision. And it also exists through our daily lives. Like, just think about it, you know, um, you go to a doctor, and if it's a serious diagnosis, you don't just usually trust the doctor whether you go get a second opinion. Or if you have to ever go get a job, um, you don't just usually talk to one person. You meet with several people, and hopefully those several people talk about you and then decide if they like you, like as a group versus one person. So it's kind of something that y you see coming up through your daily lives, and it, you know, just, I don't know, it, it, it kind of came together. <laughs> so yeah. what kind of disputes are you kind of dealing with? And, you know, let's say Omar and I are having a dispute. Uh, let's say he, he owes me $10 for, like, Chick-fil-A or something. How, what, what's, what happens then? If we, we file this dispute, what, what happens? That so... We, um, the idea for us is that we're not really a platform for you to come and file a dispute. We are a, an infrastructure layer for other dApps and chains. So if you, if it's a Chick-fil-A on the blockchain, and, <laughs> and Chick-fil-A on the blockchain says, you know, we use Oath Protocol for dispute resolution. So when you have that contract on the smart contract on the Chick-fil-A on the blockchain, um, you deposit a certain amount of to tokens into the dispute resolution um, pool. And if everything goes right, nothing happens, that, that money is returned back to you, nothing ever happens, nobody takes it. If there is a dispute um, and the protocol kicks in, what happens is we have a community of jurors and these are just regular blockchain users, so that you know we stay true through the whole idea that it's a jury of peers. It's not, um, it's not people with specific expertise, or it's not lawyers, it's not judges. It's just regular people. Uh, and you know, one party um, like Omar submits his evidence, uh, and he says, "Here's the picture of the Chick Fil A. Here's the picture of you eating the Chick Fil A. So I totally delivered the product that I promised." And then you you go and say, "Well." That was not your Chick-fil-A. Here's a picture of my friend giving giving you the Chick-fil-A, and here's a receipt, and you know, you, you submit your evidence. And then the jurors have the opportunity to ask you questions. Like if anything is unclear, if they think somebody's lying, they can bring it up and so that every kind of every juror has the benefit of the same information. That that whole process is public. And then um, when the jurors 
have to decide the case. They do it privately, so they don't have access to other jurors. They don't know who the other jurors are, so that prevents collusion. Um, you don't know who the jurors are, so you can't go and bribe them, so that they're kind of independent and objective. And then they render a decision and say, hey, like based on the evidence, we think this is what happened. And then that information, it's kind of like the oracle input um, for the smart contract. Um, that is returned um, to the um, to Chick-fil-A on the blockchain and then... How many, how many jurors? Um, so the parties uh, can decide how many jurors they want, but we start at 11 and it goes as high as 101. Really? And what is the percentage for needed for like a decision? That's also left to the parties. Um, so you, you can decide whether you want um, like 51%, whether you want 75%. It's just that with the understanding that the higher percentage you want, the more difficult it may be to get the decision on the first round. So you're basically trying to provide a, a, a level of infrastructure for like any p2p platform so like p2p lending anything that's like is a fully decentralized situation this is like the checks and balances for that that's the idea um initially we think you know with the higher level higher um monetary level disputes it will be difficult to convince the people to use us i think there's still um, not enough confidence and certainty in the blockchain solutions to those problems. So um, initially, we, we want to target kind of low-cost, high-level disputes where it's like a Chick-fil-A or, you know, Airbnb on the blockchain where it's not something that's so expensive and, you know, so, so much money is at stake that people will bother um, going to the traditional dispute resolution um, avenues like courts and arbitration, but um, where having that dispute um, resolution protocol in place, having having that available to people, um, I think will instill in them some peace of mind that they have recourse if anything goes wrong. Yeah, I was going to say, what, um, let's say you didn't have this uh, available, um, you're saying you'd have to go to the courts and stuff to resolve these disputes. What, what does that put you like financially? How much would it cost to, for someone to like dispute, to, f you know, file a dispute or something? And maybe even compared to like, going to court I, you're very familiar with courts uh well courts I, i'd say you know it's different in every jurisdiction in the u.s it's it's very expensive um and you can go to small claims court that's cheaper you know i think it's just the initial app um filing is like 130 dollars or something like that which is still you know if your dispute if the amount in dispute is 50 dollars why would you bother going and filing a case for 130 dollars so um yeah, the, the cost will be low. I mean, it will be a, a tiny fraction of what the parties are um, contracting for. Um, it will definitely be less than what you're basically now paying for that mechanism at like eBay or Airbnb or any platform that charges you fees for, for using it. Um, so it will be a lot lower than that, and it will definitely be less than the amount at issue. Yeah, I was going to say, what do the jurors get, too? So the tokens that are deposited into the contract for the dispute resolution case, um, that would go to reward the jurors for making the right decision. And we only reward them for making the right decision. So if they vote consistently with other jurors and you know they are in the majority, then they get rewarded. If they're on the losing side, they don't get rewarded. And if they w vote for the losing um, side a certain number of times, they will get penalized. So 
yeah you so that that kind of encourages them not to just participate but also to participate in a thoughtful and meaningful way are they like cycled through like do you dump like the slate of jurors you have like weekly monthly well we're hoping we'll have a large enough community that you know it will be a diverse and large enough pool to just you know keep getting people for cases mm-hmm. um and it's fine you know people can serve on multiple cases and, and hopefully we want the jurors to stay in the community and you know stay in there f- for the long term um it's just that we have some algorithms to make sure that they don't serve on juries together so you don't have the same like five people on the same jury over and over again is there a way that for instance you could expand this into like large-scale disputes where like each one of the jurors is just like a computer like ai bot or whatever that like some company is employing like there could literally be companies built around like this like jury like decision making right like do you think like there's a there's going to be a situation because i actually think that the world does require some sort of like jurisdiction that is like not the law because like there's a lot of menial like random stuff that just happens day to day that needs to be disputed um so i think like on i like a global scale like do you ever how do you see it like become like industrialized i guess interesting question um well the whole idea is to avoid you know bots and ai to have real humans making decisions um because the point is you know we come in when the technology when the code has failed so we mm. provide the human touch um but with the, in terms of making it more industrialized just you know have everybody on earth be part of our jury pool and mm. we'll have enough people to look at the look at disputes and make decisions how about that yeah that, that would be awesome and do you think also the disputes could be beyond just like personal disputes just like ev- what about like technical disputes like within like like some network failure or something or like smart contract audit that's a dispute technically yeah um i think yeah that that's beyond our scope because Mm -hmm. that would require technical expertise and then you have the question of you know who is qualified how do you qualify somebody um it kind of gets gets a little more complicated and i think for those disputes it would make sense to um either have a separate platform so one of our competitors like jury io their whole idea is that they're using um, qualified arbitrators so they are using people who have the necessary um, like legal expertise who or you know technical knowledge who are approaching it as experts as opposed to peers um, so I think for, for, for those instances there will be other platforms there will be other mechanism mechanisms to resolve those issues um, whereas we kind of are just looking for um, com- community decision-making input into like either resolving disputes or governance or any other I'm also thinking that this could be this could be interesting for like co-working on like a very large scale, right? So like it doesn't have to be like a negative dispute. It could just be like a we're working on a team. Here's a milestone. Submit all your information. This milestone review is like a dispute or whatever. And then yeah, I don't know. Like yeah. you see where I'm going with that? You yeah. yeah, you're you're going in the right direction. So although, you know, kind of to explain what we do, we say it's a de- decision uh, dispute resolution on the blockchain but uh, the bigger idea is that it's kind of a governance and uh, community decision making protocol yeah, or that's, mechanism that's, so that's for amazing. An- for yeah. anything that requires community input you could use the protocol it could be news verification it could be gambling you know 
people betting on weather in five days from now and then other people providing input on it. Um, so, yeah, it, 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 could, it could be used in, in a variety of scenarios. Yeah, this could be really cool for, like, startups for sure because, like, there's so many quarrels that people have all the time. <laughs> and it's, like, and if... Not and just, I think it's, it's just human life in general. Well, I mean, also just, like, a simple thing of, like, we're trying to, des- like, decide, like, oh, like, this design for, for like, a logo versus, like, this... Most of us like just don't don't like actually sit down and like okay let's take a poll, but if there was a platform for me to be like, okay I want to make that happen, so like I can reward the people in my community making those decisions, that's then that's ex- acceleration of the workflow. Well, I think you know another issue with that if if you force people to do it and they're not properly incentivized, then you're left with kind of meaningless decisions because if you have 10 people and you're polling 10 people, only two of them care, uh, the rest of them don't care, you can have a majority decision that does not actually reflect um, you know, what people think or what people want. Um, so for us, incentivizing the jurors to, um, you know, where they get rewarded only if they vote for the, for the winning party, it, it incentivizes them to spend time thinking about you know, which decision is right, you know, here are these inputs where do i go with this to and you know to get rewarded yeah no this is amazing because we were uh on the previous episodes you've kind of been talking about uh just like networking in general and just like building communities and we had will from the bushwick generator who's like all about trying to build like a co-working city like he wants to turn bushwick into a co-working city which i think is like cool because like he should come to williamsburg right (laughs) 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 Right. <laughs> <laughs> i'd move there like if if it did become a co-working city i just like so i think like there's definitely ways in which those like s- this protocol could be super useful for like and connects really well to like the previous thoughts we've had about like networking and just bringing the community together exactly yeah, yeah. and i and i think like that that's that's kind of the whole idea of the blockchain i mean we're talking about decentralization and anti-government and eliminating you know banks <laughs> like celsius does <laughs> uh but so so yeah shout out to celsius so we're trying to you know eliminate these authorities and the, these third parties um but it's not just the idea of kind of not having authority i think the idea is to just give decision making and g- kind of it's gonna sound so lame but give the power back to the people you know not have a central authority with all the power but have people who actually feel like they have the power to make decisions and to have some kind of impact now you're based out of new york i'm in new york yes and you williamsburg yes (laughs) it's funny because he he talked about will uh in last week's episode talked about how the area is technically east williamsburg and then he's like he doesn't like that well it's so I I disagree with that because <laughs> technically the area is Bushwick. Like, if you can say you can call all e- like East Brooklyn, East Williamsburg, then how f- like where's the border? Is yeah. is Brighton Beach still East Williamsburg because it's east of Williamsburg? We well, talked about it it's to to drive up like you know realty stuff and yeah. everything. Yeah, in yeah. reality, um, we talked a little bit before about like intermediaries and stuff. Um, where do you think like? There are room. There's room for intermedi- intermediaries, and maybe like room for like where there shouldn't be an intermediary. Right. Um, so yeah, go going back to what I was saying earlier, um, with the idea of decentralization and blockchain and peer to peer, there are a lot of applications now where people are just kind of 
trying to eliminate intermediaries everywhere, and it may or may not make sense. Uh, and in some in, in some instances, it does make sense. Where, for example, um, again, shout out to Celsius. <laughs> We're in the uh, Celsius studio, kind of. <laughs> by the way. If anyone's wondering why we keep shouting them out, <laughs> or they're just a great project. Uh, <laughs> that too. Um, but you know, in some cases, so let's take a bank for example. Um, a bank is an intermediary and we pay a lot of money to the bank to be that intermediary and some of the services they provide um, like warrant the fees that they charge and others don't and in, in the instance of you know lending for example um, you can use you you can have community-based lending where um, you have your peers who are lending you money and you're borrowing and you know the the interest rate doesn't have to be as high as it is with the bank precisely because we're not paying for the service of the intermediary um, in other instances, um, and I'm kind of, uh, you put me on a spot here, I haven't really thought of a good example where, where we may need, um, where we may need a, a, an inter intermediary. But you mentioned um, like Airbnb and stuff. Yeah, well with Airbnb, um, if, the, if the purpose of the intermediary, in addition to facilitating the financial transaction, and I think the financial part of it can definitely be peer-to-peer, -peer, their role is to, ha to resolve disputes. Um, so you can have both protocol in place to address any dispute resolution issues. So in that in that case, I think it's it's definitely possible and is definitely beneficial to eliminate the intermediary because you can definitely you know take out the fees for the the for the facilitation um, the financial part of it. You can have that peer to peer, and for dispute resolution, you could only you would only pay if you are actually in a dispute. You don't have to pay for that service um, on an ongoing basis per transaction. Um, but I think, I don't know, like think about um, professional sports. You still need referees. Would it be possible to eliminate that intermediary and, you know, have community judging? That would, yeah, that'd be that hard. It would be <laughs> out of control. <laughs> and it happens if, like, it happens in parks. You can, you know, go play pickup basketball and be happy with the outcome of the game having just people on the team doing it. But it's, you know, the stakes are not as high as in professional sports. So, yeah. you know, in some instances that's necessary um, so what's uh so i guess also just getting back to like kind of the business side so what's the um i guess what is your revenue model like do you just take percentages on like the value of the problem being solved or something or well we are one of still you know one of the companies that are slowly i think dying at least in the us and that we because we're an infrastructure layer mm. um the idea is once we have done our job our community will be big enough and the community using you know our decision making process will be able to maintain itself and run itself um so you know the idea is we don't have um kind of a product that would generate revenue or a revenue stream um, but our um, tokens is what would facilitate the community development so um, in you know our, our big uh, lofty goal is to have um, a true sharing economy where our jurors the people in our community um, they will be incentivized to make good decisions by being rewarded by tokens uh, which in turn will um, make our platform attractive to dApps and chains who will say, you know, this is a good community. They make good decisions. We want to incorporate the protocol into our product um, that will in turn increase the value of the token. So it's kind of, you know, our community will be motivated to render good decisions, not only to be rewarded, but to also increase the value of the community. 
Yeah, but I also definitely think because I mean, like, there's there's people out there. I know a lot of them, where like, if there's like a business problem, they legitimately just fly them in, and they sit down everyone in a room, and this dude just hashes out like a plan, and just everyone walks out happy, and he gets paid like a bunch of money for that. So I feel like if you were in use cases where money was definitely on the line, or like you should definitely get some sort of percentage to your platform for offering the service of this like resolution, I guess. Cause there's literally like people who make livings off of conflict resolution, right? Like, yes, but that introduces the problem of enforcement. That's also true. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's why we didn't want to create a separate platform for it where, you know, if you have a platform, you definitely can charge people to come and use your platform. Um, but then it introduces the problem of enforcement and, you know, is it kind of like ADR in the U S alternative dispute resolution where the parties have to opt in and have to agree to, you know, for it to be enforced. And then, um, what if one party is unhappy with the result and they go, <coughs> they just go and file a case in, in the court system? You know, it's kind of that problem to us was a little too complicated and mm. not something we were ready to resolve. So we um, our our protocol is mainly for, you know, kind of low value disputes where Got it, it wouldn't even make us that much money if we were to charge for it. Mm. Yeah, no, but I definitely do see a lot of ways that just any network related protocol, any network related DAP could be, could totally use this for sure. Um. And, and I'll say, so right now, a lot of the DAPs are developed kind of, or at least thinking about developing their own dispute resolution protocol. I don't know if you guys have read like white papers recently of the like Airbnb on blockchain, travel on blockchain. There, there's usually like a page in their white paper where they say, you know, we will have this dispute resolution mechanism. And so where we come in, we say, you know, instead of just focus on what you're trying to build, um, don't try to build everything, you know, kind of look look at cars and, and navigation systems. Each manufacturer has their own, but everybody still uses Google Maps because it's better because it's their core product as opposed to kind of like a side project as it is for car manufacturers. So that's kind of where, where we're trying to come in and say, hey, focus on what you're building and let us handle the dispute resolution part. So if I was Mobius which I am, and, I, and, I, <laughs> and I'd like to use this platform to say, so we have, like, for instance, on our platform, we have, like, a validation, we have, like, a validation system where you validate people's, like, profiles and stuff like that. But oftentimes, which what I'm expecting, someone will just screw up and click, like, no or something or, like, stake their token, like, negatively, but they actually meant to stake it positively. So then, then there's like going to end up being some dispute. So anyway, point is, is if I was a project right now and I wanted to integrate your stack into our full stack, how would that work? Well, you talk to a very nice guy named Michael, who is our um, head of business development. Mm -hmm. um, but so we're right now working on our MVP. So we don't have a product that's ready yet. Nope. Um, the MVP should be ready in November, December. Um, we're pushing it ahead of schedule a little bit. We're aiming for 2019, but hoping to have something ready sooner than that. Um, but yeah, talk to us and we'll, we'll work with you and figure it out. Cool. And what's uh, like, what, what phase are you guys in right now? I guess. 
And so you want to do an ICO too, right? Eventually. Yeah. Well, w so yeah, we're we're still figuring out if we need to do a public sale or if we're just going to do a private sale and then go straight to exchanges. But that's yeah, it's on the table. Mm -hmm. Got it. Yeah. yeah, we um we finished our seed round a couple months ago, so um we just started hiring more people and expanding our team. Nice. So yeah, that's why we have some engineers and developers um working on pushing us forward. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um yeah, I think it's I mean, we're we're internally we're we're dealing with uh marketing costs for ICOs and we keep seeing them go up a lot. Um but that's a conversation for another time. <laughs> Point is is I've also been going to a lot of different conferences and trying to get quotes from legal. So I mean, we have like someone on our team that's he's the head of PwC legal in Switzerland. So he like read over everything and whatever. He does everything for the companies based out of Zug. So in yeah, Switzerland. Yeah, legal, legal is very important in, in this space. Just so how much does it cost right? for a Reg D? Like, because I was talking to someone yesterday, Jared, one of Jared's friends, Jared Polites is like one of our advisors. He was like, yeah, $5,000. And then I get quoted from Latham, which is like this, you know, Latham, the, I don't, I don't remember the rest of her name because. And, and Watkins. Yeah. Okay. Great. Well, <laughs> I'll give you, I'll give you a very lawyer answer, which do you know what it is? It's <laughs> depending it on the quality. It, yeah. dep <laughs> it depends. Um, I, th and it depends on a few things. It depends on, you know, the complexity of what you're doing um, and your budget as well. I mean, I'm sure somebody could do it for you for $5,000, although I would personally not trust that person to do it right um, because lawyer's time is expensive and it's expensive for a reason. Mm -hmm. And the reason is that you do need to spend time like pouring over like details and words and, you know, little things. And, it, and people kind of hate lawyers for it and they, they think, you know, and I, st I still talk about myself as a lawyer, even though I'm not practicing anymore. But it, it's common. People think, you know, you're overcharging, you're spending too much time on things. And the reason coming back from the lawyer background is you want to spend more. You'd rather spend too much time than not enough time and make sure that everything is right mm. um, and done well. And especially in like the current climate in the U.S. where there is so much uncertainty, you want to make sure that you're not really... Um, you know, cutting costs on legal because that, you know, if, if something goes wrong, that's your, you know, your, your most vulnerable area. Mm. So I guess what are you guys most focused on right now? Like getting set up for the ICO or just trying to finish the MVP, getting um, partners? Yeah, on the technical side, it's getting, it's finishing the MVP. That, that's a high priority, number one priority, I would mm -hmm. say. And on business side, it's, um, yeah, finding partners and finding investors. Got it. And then for partnership, it's um, it's it's kind of been actually exciting. Um, in Asia, we've had a pretty pretty great reception. So we just partnered with a couple of public chains, and uh, um, we've also partnered with Trip.io, which is like travel booking on blockchain. Wow. Um. So yeah, working on that. Yeah, I mean, we'd love to talk also Mobius for sure. <laughs> Let's do it. Well, I was gonna get back to um, kind of Jenny the person. How how um how did your uh, work as like a lawyer um, uh, kind of impact what you do now and maybe like um, are you the the stereotypical lawyer who's yeah looking over documents and stuff or you're a very social person what's Jenny the person well I, on on my team I'm definitely the person who's telling everybody to calm down <laughs> <laughs> and take a more measured approach um, <clears throat> but 
I think this position also, you know, it plays to my advantages in that I can I can be a little uh, anal and uh, detail oriented, and I like that, and I I think my team needs the, that person, so it, it kind of it's it's a great fit. And on the other hand, <coughs> excuse me, um, I don't have to be as um, like closed off as a lawyer because as a lawyer, I mean, you can be social, but there's so much you can say in public. Um, you know, there's the issues of privilege with your clients, so you can't talk about your cases that much. So, and and that to me has kind of been problematic. I just because I am um, naturally like a little more social and outgoing, so I like. Um, where I am right now, it's kind of perfect in that I get to tell people about something I'm excited about and mm-hmm. uh, something I'm knowledgeable, knowledgeable about. And I can help my team, um, you know, do our best with, with our project. Gotcha. And are you kind of always working? Do you ever take advantage of the weekends like Omar likes to do? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you know, I think any f- any person who who is a founder, or co-founder, or you know, on a startup, on the on the initial team will tell you there isn't really such thing as like nights and weekends. If I get an email from my co-founder on the weekend, of course I'll respond. And it's not because I, you know it's different from like when I was a lawyer and I would get an email on the weekend, I would be pissed because I'm like, oh crap, I have to sit down and do this, and you know, it's it's not really for my benefit; if it's for somebody else's benefit. But if it's if it's a passion project for you it's something you want to see succeed it's not really a burden you, like you're excited to be doing it like i'm happy to be here with you guys tonight on sunday night because this is fun <laughs> yeah i'd only add that uh my weekends uh <laughs> <laughs> he's here on the weekend too <laughs> my weekends are i'm still working when i'm out so just like she was saying you know if you get an email at 2 a.m no matter where I am, I'll probably respond. Maybe. Actually, I think I'm pretty good with responding to people. Um, but yeah, no, I guess... Um, so, as far as, like, testnet launch, like, beta users, etc. As far as, like... And also, like, what's what partners have you been talking to so far in the space? So, we have partnered with QuarkChain. Mm-hmm. Um, that was our first um, public chain partner. Um, it's more prominent in Asia and um, like Europe and Russia than it is in the U.S. Um, one of our other partners is U Network. It's a um, like content publishing blockchain pl- platform. Um, Trip.io and um, Nem. Yep, Nem. Nem, yeah. Nem is another partner. Yep. Wow. Nems, yeah, Nems pretty cool. They have this community fund too. You They're know? huge. So w- as soon as they announced a partnership with us, our community exploded. Yeah, it's and really really popular yeah. in like Southeast Asia yeah. and like and ev- like Eastern Europe too. Yeah. Yeah. Only because it's like a very s- easy platform. I'm just not a fan of it for like uh, like technical wise. It's it's kind of like not r- robust in my opinion, but people use it and they have the community fund which is like free money which i thought about applying to very seriously but because it's really like, like if you think about how many people apply and go through the like the community fund proposal process it's like two or three people and then there's a vote mm-hmm. M- three out of three usually get funded so just do it yeah i, I might <laughs> 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 I mean, I think you just argued yourself why it's a good idea. 
Um, so what do you, what are your goals, you know, upcoming in the next few years? And is there anything that you're like really excited for on blockchain looking forward to the future five, 10 years? Well, for us, the, the goal is to just grow our reach to get jurors, to get people from um, a diversity of backgrounds. That's, that's kind of our whole idea is that um, the more diverse your jury pool you know, the better decision making you will get. And I think, you know, there have been some, um, there has been some re research on that as well, where you have, if you have a diverse group of researchers, they're more likely to get interesting ideas um, than if you have people who are coming from the same background. So um, we're looking, you know, to get people from all over the world um, in our community knowing about us. Um, of course, partners, you know, being represented on uh, most popular public chains and dApps. Uh, and in the blockchain in general, I would say I'm looking forward to seeing what sticks, you know, s seeing the community, seeing the people decide where we do need, still need um, third party intermediaries, centralized authorities and where we don't, um, where it works, the whole concept of, of decentralization and where it doesn't. So I think and I think, you know, probably five years is a good horizon for that. I guess one one thing that quickly popped in my head was how would it, how does it look like from the user standpoint uh to be like a juror i guess like can is it going to be like mobile like or do i have to like basically be a miner type thing um it, yeah it's going to be basically a mobile app mm -hmm. um the idea to have it you know as user friendly as possible without you like knowing that you're using blockchain or any of like the complex al algorithms or anything we're using but yeah. you sign in um, you know, you get a notification. Hey, like, here's this case. Here's um, the bonus pool. Um, you know, do you want to participate or not? Then you choose whether you want to participate. Then, um, you know, there's another layer of algorithms that, you know, picks the jurors out of those who opted in to participate. And then, um, yeah, on the app, you get the evidence, you get to ask questions, and then you just vote. And and is there a way, like, you can automate what you're pushed, or do you have to kind of manually choose what you want to, like, work on? Hmm, I don't think we're that far ahead yet. Um, but yeah, I think it makes sense to have certain criteria where you say, you know, I only want to see cases above a certain threshold of bonus points. Mm. Uh, or I won't only want to see cases in this geographic area or things like that. Yeah, I think that that's definitely. And do you filter like at sense. all like the, the people that. So say like it's like an energy dispute. Would mm -hmm. you want like energy people who know what they're talking about as jurors or would you just want all just like random third parties to look at it ob objectively? Um, well, that, that's the thing. If it's an energy dispute, if it's over, s is it over something technical in the contract or is it over um, basically evidence? Over is it a factual dispute? Maybe, it maybe it's something like, like let's say windmills are killing seagulls in Rhode Island and, and, <laughs> and the, <laughs> whatever, say, say that's the case, right? And there's someone files a dispute. He's like, Hey, I don't want this windmill to be built here because it's going to kill more seagulls. And I like seagulls. So ideally it would be nice to have like some guy come in and be like, Hey, like if, if there was energy, if there was a windmill here, it would power like 40,000 homes or something. And like X percent of seagulls would be wiped out, right? And then you have the other end of like the com like the the really like, hey, I love seagulls, don't do that. But so where do, where does the blockchain come in? Uh, for I mean, so like I'm I'm talking about like in terms of assigning like the jury. So 
do you just want it to be completely just objective or like would you want for more cases where like expertise is semi needed how are jurors then chosen right so well in in this instance and the reason i asked where does the blockchain come in mm-hmm. is because we're a protocol layer yeah like we're not you know we're not a platform where parties can come in and just say hey we have this dispute we want to use your jury to decide it i mean it, it's a maybe in the future you know that's something we will want we would want to do mm-hmm. uh, but that's kind of like you know where the whole enforcement thing is, is an issue um but ideally it, it's kind of like the same way um civil courts work right now if you file a dispute and you want to have a jury you go and you make you have your experts you make technical arguments you present mm-hmm. evidence but then the jury is still the jury of regular people who decide you know they heard ex- they hear expert at testimony but they have to decide which expert is more credible um, because you know one side's expert will say yeah all of the all of the seagulls are dying because of the windmills and then the other expert comes in and says it's not the windmills it's actually the power plant um, mm-hmm. So then they have to still figure out who, whom do they believe? Is it expert for one party? Is it expert for the other party? And they have to make the judgment. Right. Uh, any note you want to finish on? Um, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, where, where can people follow you and reach you? And oh yeah, we we're we're everywhere. Um, you know, on Twitter, Telegram medium um i'm gonna forget some of the places but it's basically anywhere and our handle everywhere is oath protocol and oath is spelled like the oath like o-a-t-h which stands for you know solemn oath to render an impartial judgment um so yeah look for oath protocol you'll find us all right uh thank you jenny vitrenko and uh we will see you next week on top of the block podcast peace